Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. Welcome to the second hour of Mornings with Carmen on Friday, October the 15th. Uh, we have a report out of North Dakota. David is answering the question, where in the word are you today? David uh, says, where in the word? I'm in John 17. My buddies and I are trying to memorize it. I'm working on verse 8. I'm so glad for this passage because it gives us a glimpse into the relationship between the Father and the Son. David, uh, John chapter 17 is an awesome chapter of Scripture, as you already well know, as you are memorizing it uh, and planting the Word of God's truth deep inside your heart and mind. Um, I I think that John chapter 17 is one of those passages of Scripture that answers the three big questions that everyone is asking, questions of identity, belonging, and purpose. John chapter 17 uh, tells us who we are as those who belong to Christ uh, it tells us to whom we belong, um, right? It's the, it answers the belonging question. And uh, it tells us what in the world we're in the world to do, um, absolutely, to, to not only abide in Christ, but to make the, the glory of God known to others through, uh, through living in deep, abiding, rich fellowship um, with Jesus our Lord. So yeah, John 17, I commend it to everyone today, the verse of John chapter 17 that um, that our friend David is working on today is verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So consider that this is Jesus, the Son of God, speaking in the context of prayer to God the Father, talking about us talking about us. He's talking about his disciples. And Jesus says of his disciples, I have given them the words that you gave me. That's Jesus testifying to the fact that he has passed along to us what the Father gave him to give us. That is, you know, that is our big brother sharing with us all of the spiritual blessings. They flow through him. He's the only one deserving of the things of the Father, and yet he graciously passes them along to us. I have given them the words that you gave me. And then there is this recognition of who we are. They have received them. Have you received the word of God in Christ Jesus? He goes on to say, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. Do you acknowledge that? Do you acknowledge that Jesus has come from the Father? Do you receive that as the truth in which and by which you live and breathe and find your being? Jesus then says, and they have believed that you sent me. 
Do you believe that God the Father sent Jesus the Son for the express purpose of redemption? John 17, verse 8. Why don't we all memorize this verse today with our friend David in North Dakota and his buddies as a part of their exercise of memorizing the entirety of the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. John 17, verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Where in the word are you today? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Up next, we've got our friend Adam Holtz. We're going to survey some of the media headlines of the day, including a conversation about Superman. Not the one you remember. We'll be right back. Our friend Adam Holtz is back from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Adam, I think we should lead off not with movie reviews, but with a conversation about Superman. Yeah, I think that's a terrific idea, and I would love to lead off there. Okay, so this is not the Superman that I remember. Um, So who is this Superman, and why is the whole world talking about him? Well... If you know anything about comics, they are constantly recycling and reissuing and rebooting to try to sort of capitalize on the well-known brands. And in that spirit, DC has a new comic out that was launched in July called Superman, Son of Cal-El. And it turns out that uh, Clark Kent has gotten tired, apparently, of being Superman, and he has flown off into outer space to parts unknown for reasons unknown. So Superman is now uh, an absent father. And his son, Jonathan, who's now a young adult, has taken over the Superman mantle and, uh, shocker, looks just like him. Uh, Okay, so far, so good. Well, DC announced on Monday that he would be coming out as bisexual and that he... uh, is going to have a love interest. And there was a panel from an upcoming issue that shows him kissing another young man. So um, that is the core of the story. I have a zillion things to say about it, but let me pause and, and uh, let you get back in the conversation here. And you can ask me maybe something specific. Um, so maybe we should have had a conversation back when um an alien being from another planet uh took up with a biologically female woman and conceived a child right right like, know that may, i'm just saying like there's some layers here uh of conversation that we could have that yep. are not all about uh Jonathan the new superman being Uh, quote-unquote bisexual. He's also like trans species. Like, there are some conversations we could have here from a Christian worldview. 
There are. And, you know, I loved your intro, uh, the three things you were talking about, identity, belonging, and purpose. Did I get those right? I didn't actually write them yeah, down. So you got them, man. You know, let's look at this story through that lens. We're, we're in a culture right now that has largely thrown out the idea of a relationship with a transcendent but personal God. And yet, God has wired us for transcendence and to experience it. And I actually think that there is an echo of that wiring, even in our superhero stories in general. I think mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why they are popular, because they enable us to connect, you know, even in a fun and fictional way with, uh, with something that is bigger than us. But because we're wired for transcendence, when you throw God out, we're going to look for it somewhere else. And so I think we're living in a cultural moment where identity, purpose, and belonging, uh, we're trying to answer all of those questions with sex. And uh, apart from consent, which seems to be the only uh, sexual ethic that, that the progressive left and, and our culture in general has, anything goes. Um, but there is, there is an attempt, I think, to find that transcendent purpose and meaning and identity and belonging in every expression of sexuality possible. And so increasingly we have seen that across the culture and especially in entertainment culture, kids shows, comic books, movies, TV, you won't find hardly a TV show or movie these days that doesn't at least have a token LGBTQ uh, character representing there somewhere. And so I'm not surprised with what's happening here, but I do think the fact that DC is giving, you know, its main character, and yeah, it's not Clark Kent, but it's still the title, uh, you know, this sort of identity is significant because it shows where we're at culturally. And I think that as Christians, we have, we have an opportunity to speak into and not in a, not in a condemning way, but just to speak into that conversation and say, well, how does sexuality intersect with our identity, with our purpose, with our sense of belonging? Because I think that's a, a great entree to have a conversation that, that maybe can lead in a redemptive direction and not one that, you know, just ends up with one side calling the other bigots or hateful, you know? Um, all right. So some things I know about Superman, and I'll just go ahead and confess, my Superman knowledge is somewhat limited. <laughs> Um, but I do recall that Superman used to stand for truth, justice, and the American way. And Correct. I know that this new Superman no longer stands for the American way. Right. This this new Superman stands for truth and justice, but uh, he no longer stands for the American way. I find that culturally interesting as well. Well, you know, the American way has gone from something that we are proud of as a culture to something to be ashamed of and to, to try to figure out how to offload. And, you know, even Captain America, you know, in some ways is politically correct. I keep seeing the commercial for uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, and Falcon, who's now Captain America, picks up the shield and says, you know, the legacy of this shield is complicated. Uh, and so... There is a real rejection of the idea that the American way is the right way. And that certainly is being reflected in characters like Superman and Captain America, uh, you know, as we sort of um, 
have to do penance, if you will, for all the sins of America. All right. Um, I'll also note we still need a savior, and some people think that um, some sort of uh, being that comes in from the outside uh, is in a position to save us in a way that we are not in a position to save ourselves. And so there is a gospel opportunity here oh, yeah. to talk about uh, to talk about those things. All right, Adam, well, we got to leave that. I know. I want to say one thing when we come back, just to connect that dot. So, okay, good. I, I'll, um, I'll hold uh, that thought. Adam Holtz and I playing Connect the Dots. We'll be right back. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Check out all the reviews posted there at PluggedIn.com as we continue our conversation about Superman. Go ahead, man. Connect the dots. I just wanted to toss this in because a lot of people may not realize that Superman's origin story, not as a character in the comics, but his creation in the real world, that he was created by two Jewish men who wanted him to be a modern representation of Moses. And so, you know, you have Superman coming to Earth, being found as a baby. Like, there are a number of connecting points with Moses' story. Um, And even his name, Cal-El, you know, we know that El is, uh, you know, a name that we often see related to God in the Old Testament, that Cal-El in Hebrew means swift God. So, there actually is a pretty deep connection to the idea of a savior, as you were talking about. Um, and obviously we can see a Jesus story in there too, if we want to to layer that over the top. But uh, it's interesting to me that the first superhero really was a modern sort of reimagining of Moses. Uh, and I thought your listeners might want to be aware of that. So I have uh, in the interim found an article in the Chicago Tribune, um, entitled The Minch of Steel, question mark, yep. which uh, unpacks all of this if you're interested. All right. Hey, let's uh, let's quick do um, uh, a few movie reviews for this week. What yep. is uh, what's on the big screen um, or the small screen that we ought to be paying attention to? You know, there's not a lot out this week that is just screaming for attention. But one thing you might run across is Muppets Haunted Mansion, and it is on Disney+. Plus. Obviously, it's the Halloween season, so we have monster movies for adults and monster movies for kids. This is in the latter category. Uh, This one is uh, a story that revolves around Gonzo, he of the large curved nose and large eyes and (laughs) blue fur and uh, scraggly, scratchy voice. Um, Gonzo, who sometimes goes by the persona of the great Gonzo, uh, and a friend of his who is a prawn, Pepe the Prawn, who's a newer character, decide to take up the challenge to spend a night in the world's most haunted mansion, which has 999 specters, most of whom are Muppets with sheets over them. Um, and, uh, yeah, he has to prove his mettle in that respect. Two things here. Uh, Kermit eventually tells him, Gonzo, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to go out and do these crazy things to earn our approval. Gonzo essentially has a lot of insecurities. Kermit sees through them and gently says, you're great just the way you are. Uh, The other thing to take note of here is even though there are a lot more giggles than scares here, there is a spiritual worldview. And, uh, you know, it does posit the idea of ghosts uh, living in this haunted house. And, And I think... 
Some families will just say, yeah, we're going to take a pass on that and just watch the Muppet movie, which is better uh, pretty much in every way. Uh, but if you do happen to watch it, I think it could be a launching pad for talking about important spiritual realities. All right, we have a uh, we have a listener uh, texting in from the 763 area code. So if that's you and you want to text me your name, I would love that. Um, this person says, Adam is on point. I was just about to say all that. That was in reference to your commentary on Superman. Um, and yeah, and in a prior text, this same person asked about um, finding a church. So since I know you're a church guy and you're married to a church girl, um, what would you say in answer to the question, um, how do I go about finding a church? Wow, that is a huge question. You know, I think that you want to have at least some sense of connection with somebody who is preaching the Word of God truthfully. And there are lots of different places that you can find that. Um, but but I think that uh, while I don't want to make personality the defining sort of American consumeristic grid here, you do want to have a sense of connection with somebody who teaches in a way that resonates with you. Because I think... Ideally, if you happen to miss church, um, hopefully you have a good enough relationship with your church where you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I had to miss church this week. I want to see, you know, did they put the sermon online so that I can catch up with it? Um, And then I think uh, on the flip side, there is no perfect church and we live in a very consumer oriented culture. Um, You can church hop, you know, your whole life if you want to. And probably there's no perfect church out there. At some point, we need to make a commitment to a local congregation. And then it's not so much about your connection with the pastor. It's about building relationships with people. So you also want to find like-minded community with people that that you have a sense of connection with. And then uh, plant those roots and get started. I think that's all so good. I think that, you know, I, I want to be in a church where there is a balance of grace and truth. Like the truth Absolutely. really matters to me. And so that sort of gets to your word rightly preached part of yep. the conversation. Um, and then I and and then the grace part is the experience not only of being accepted as a, a fallen person redeemed in Christ, but a person always growing in discipleship. And so is that manifest in in a community of believers in such a way that I can um, that I can be in real relationships with other people with whom I am authentic, uh, who I allow to see the fact that there are still places where I need to grow and I need their help doing that. And then Absolutely. also a, a church that extends grace, you know, recognizing that God wants more and more people in the kingdom and yep. uh, and, the, and the kingdom experience here on earth is the king is the experience of the church. Uh, and so I want more and more people in the church, big C, and that does mean I want more and more people in churches, small C, um, because you can't love love Christ without loving his bride and being a part of it. So there you go. Yep. Uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully, um, sweet friend in area code 763 uh, who has been texting with us this morning, that is helpful to you. Um, know that you are seen and heard this morning and that we love it when people actually talk back to the radio or to the phone or whatever device you're listening in on this morning. Um, we love that. Actually joining in the conversation. That, um, yeah, that makes me particularly happy. Adam, we got to take a break for break point, but thank you so much, brother. 
You bet. We'll chat again next week, Carmen. Likewise. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. What are the chances that something that you believe that you hold as a sincerely held religious belief is going to one day cost you your job and result in public attempts, I guess, to publicly humiliate you? Well, Kelvin Cochran is a brother in Christ, and he was America's fire chief. And then he wrote a discipleship book. For men in his church, uh, in which he, well, talked about real things in the Christian life. And for that, he was not only publicly humiliated, he lost his job. He joins me next, not only to tell that story, but to tell how God has brought him through that fire and how he is now serving as other people face these kinds of flames in the culture. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Romans 12 and verse 2 urges, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is Max Lucado. We can conform or we can be transformed. In Esther's story, she and Mordecai chose at first to conform and disguise their identity. Later, they took a courageous stand. You know, Bible characters are complex. They aren't one-dimensional felt figures that fit easily into a Sunday school curriculum box. Moses was a murderer before he was a liberator. Joseph was a punk before he was a prince. Yes, the apostle Peter proclaimed Christ on the day of Pentecost, but he also denied Christ on the eve of the crucifixion. The people of the Bible were exactly that, real people. And like you and me, they had their good moments and, well, they were known to hide their faith. Choose to be transformed. This is Max Lucado. So let me introduce um, Kelvin Cochran to you in this way. You can tell a lot about a man by the way he talks about his mother and by the way he looks at his wife. And so full disclosure here, um, I have met Kelvin personally on two different occasions, once at a Alliance Defending Freedom event in Georgia in 2018. Um, and then we had the privilege of sharing the platform together at a local church missions weekend in Thomasville, Georgia in 2019. Um, and I, I got to see the way that he looks at his wife and talks about his mom. And so although he's here today to talk about his excellent new book, Facing the Fire, um, I am privileged to welcome him as a brother in Christ. Kelvin, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So for people who do not know your story, let's, um, let's tell them um, what do you want people to know? What's the top line of having served for more than 30 years as you know, America's beloved fire chief and then finding yourself in the fires of religious liberty persecution because of something you wrote um, that is true to the gospel? Well, it starts with uh, the Christian walk of faith, Carmen, is really comprised of a series of level plain mountains level plains, mountain climbs, and valleys, and sufferings aren't inherent and necessary 
component of fulfilling God's purpose in our lives. When I was fired for writing a book for a Christian men Bible study as fire chief of the city of Atlanta in 2015, uh, God had showed me that he had been preparing me, Carmen, for that fiery trial my entire life, and that the takeaway is that just like God was with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, Esther, Joseph, and all of those biblical heroes that we celebrate when we look at their story of facing fires, that same God, Carmen, is with us when we face the fire. The book is Facing the Fire, the faith that brought America's fire chief through the flames of persecution. Um, Kelvin, I am uh, I am imagining that prior to uh, your experience in 2015, you didn't even know uh, that there was an alliance defending freedom and you didn't know that there was a need for such a thing. I'm curious, you know, how your uh how your experience of the larger Christian church has come and, and, the, and the family of believers, you know, has been realized in the last six years? Oh, what an amazing question. Um, you know, I'm one of those Americans who my my calling, uh, my dream to become a firefighter was instilled in me when I was a five-year-old boy. And I was raised by a single mom, and we were very poor, Carmen. Uh, we lived off of welfare and food stamps. And uh, my mother was a strong woman of faith, and she raised us on faith and patriotism. So I have this background that growing up in America, that all things are possible. If we believe in God, get a good education, respect grownups, and treat other people like we want it to be treated. And so all of my dreams came true in my personal life and in my profession. And living out my faith was a huge part of that. So to become to get fired for writing a book for a Christian men Bible study is just a testament that in our current culture, how all of that can be taken away uh, if we uh, acquiesce to uh, the cancel culture that's taking place. You're exactly right. I had no idea that there was a Christian law firm, period, but certainly did not know there was a Christian law firm called Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, who took on my case and walked in that journey for four years, Carmen, with me and my family until I was vindicated from my unjust termination. You know, Kelvin, I think that there um, there are people listening who, you know, they wonder, like, what happens to people like Baron L. Stutzman? What, what happens to people um, like Kelvin Cochran? Like, we, you know, the, the, the mainstream... Uh, news only covers the story for you know a moment in time, and often not from um, uh, not from a way that is gracious. Uh, and so people do wonder, like, what happens when somebody not only loses their job but their reputation, their livelihood, in many cases their their circle of of friends and their sphere of influence. Um, and so it's really it's helpful. I'm celebrating that you're offering the fullness of the story and facing the fire and want to commend it uh, to our listeners today. Um, take us into the fire for a moment. Uh, take us into the conversation with your wife or with your family. Take us into some of the conversations with your neighbors or fellow church members or former colleagues. Um, how did your experience or how has your experience really changed your relationships? Well, you know, uh, the first thing that I discovered when this happened to me, Carmen, is you know how some people, when they have a near-death experience, they say, 
uh, in their testimony, their life flashed before their eyes. Well, certainly a termination is not a near-death experience, but I had the experience of my life flashing before my eyes. So the first thing, based on your question, that I think is significant is that God is the first one that speaks to our soul when we experience a fiery trial. And God, in that moment, Carmen, reminded me that he had been preparing me for that Mm. my entire life. Mm. He reminded me of fires that I experienced as a child in poverty and the difficulties that he brought me through. He reminded me of the difficult days, the fiery days that I experienced discrimination and racism, being one of the first blacks on the Shreveport Fire Department, fighting literal fires, but fighting the fires of racism and discrimination. God reminded me he brought me through that. And even the fires of my terrible 20s, when I really wasn't the man that God called me to be, and I brought fires on myself, God reminded me in that moment, he brought me through those fires. And so God used all those fires in different ages and stages of my walk of faith to let me know that even though I was facing a mammoth uh, what I call a big mamma jamma fire, that he was with me through all those fires, and he certainly was going to be with me in that fire. So the first conversation is with God. And, of course, then you wonder about, you know, what's going to happen to my family and how is my family going to respond and how am I going to handle that and nurture them through this fiery trial? Well, over the years, Carmen, the shouting news is, when you pour your heart into seeking God and nurturing your family, God prepared my wife and my children to face the fire. I thought I was going to have to spend days encouraging them, but they spent days encouraging me that, Dad, mm. honey, everything is going to be all right. I did lose some friends. You know, there are a lot of people who, when things are going well, they're by your side, but when things go dark, You know, you look around and they're no longer there. And when you make a public confession of faith on marriage and sexuality in these days, there are losses that we should be prepared to take on. And one of those losses, regretfully, Carmen, is a loss of friends. But Jesus was true to his promise when he said, whatever you lose for my name's sake, I'll restore it a hundredfold. I can tell you I'm living proof that that was not hyperbole that the friends that I lost can't compare to the hundredfold friends that God has brought into my life since I was terminated. I lost my job, but now I'm the senior fellow and vice president with Alliance Defending Freedom, the same law firm that handled me as a client, now has hired me on the executive team. So I have a hundredfold better job than I had than the job that I lost. And so that's uh, some of the details that's brought out in uh, facing the fire. It's it's such a remarkable, um, wonderful story of God's redemptive power and the way that um, you yes. testify to His presence and preparation and the faithfulness of God throughout your life. And this gives you the opportunity to you know to point to those places and spaces. And it's a wonderful um, it, it's a wonderful Rome with you um, around in. Uh, in, in a life well well lived. Uh, so let me commend it to you uh, who are listening today. The book is Facing the Fire, the Faith that Brought America's Fire Chief Through the Flames of Persecution. We're going to continue our conversation with Kelvin Cochran in just a moment. Lord, my life, 
Kelvin Cochran had a distinguished career as a firefighter, uh, 30 years not only fighting fires, but serving as America's fire chief, appointed uh, to the United States Fire, uh, as the United States Fire Administrator by President Obama. He was named the Fire Chief of the Year by the International Association of Fire Chiefs. He oversaw ministry operations um, at his church, and uh, and and because he then wrote a discipleship book for the men of his church— which affirms and confirms, upholds, and celebrates God's good design for uh, human life in the context of marriage between one man and one woman, he lost his job um, and, and suffered no small degree of public humiliation. Um, but he has come through that fire in a way that is worthy of not only celebrating, but in a way that has equipped him to now turn and serve others who face similar fires of religious persecution in the American context today. So he now serves uh, with the Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, his book is, and let me commend it to you, Facing the Fire, the Faith that Brought America's Fire Chief Through the Flames of Persecution. Calvin, I think that um, people see a lot, of, uh, a lot of what seem like disconnected points, and they try to connect those uh, seemingly unrelated cultural hotspots. Um, and so I'm wondering if you might roam around with us in doing a little dot to dot on race, sexual autonomy or sexual anarchy, religious freedom, tolerance, cancel culture, social media. Yeah. And how I live um, as a ambassador of the kingdom of God in the midst of all that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great discussion to have. You know, we are blessed to live in the United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Our nation was founded by and large on biblical principles. And one of the virtues of America is our diversities of faiths, our diversities of ethnicities, race, and even diversities of opinions. And we've had significant conflict over the years in our country, but that founding vision of what America is supposed to be to all of its people has somehow or another caused us to set our differences aside and come to a place of unity as we continue to move forward. That's what we really embrace as tolerance. It was a two-way street that we always found a way to not run into a dead end on the street. Cancel culture, Carmen, has shifted so many definitions in the context of what America stands for, And one of those definitions is the definition of tolerance. It's a one-way street now. And there are people who have tremendous influence in our country that when when you speak the truth, uh, those who hate truth will define your speech as hate speech. And if a person is claimed to have hate speech, then they're saying that there's hate in your heart because you don't agree with my opinion. And if you don't agree with my opinion, you don't have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness anymore. So we're coming after your profession, we're coming after your business, and we'll even come after your family uh, if you go down the wrong side of the street of tolerance that we're on. And in that context, uh, Carmen, believers have to be bold enough to face cancel culture head on and stand on the truth of God's Word. 
That is so well said. Um, I think that the the corruption and ultimate perversion of uh, the classical understanding of tolerance is is absolutely at uh, at the base of so many of um, the conversations that we're frankly not having because uh, only half the people are allowed to participate in the conversation. Um, talk with us about the imperative of standing up, the imperative of not only giving thanks to God in all circumstances, which you do so well in your life, but um, the imperative of, of standing up for the truth when it's hard to do that and um, and how you're now doing that alongside others who face similar fires to the one that you faced in your new role with the Alliance Defending Freedom. Well, uh, God gives us the courage and grace to stand when we face those moments. That's one of the things that I really talk about in very, very, uh, very close, a lot of detail, because a lot of believers, Carmen, are wondering, would I have the courage and faith uh, to stand in that moment? And based upon what I've experienced, the answer is absolutely yes. But we have to forecast it. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when is it going to happen. And if as believers we stand on biblical truth, then God promises that he'll stand with us. He made promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, One of the things that I share in the book is there, uh, there are five things that believers need to know. The first thing is that God always prepares us when we face that moment. He always does. The second is the toughest thing. There are worldly consequences for standing on biblical truth and standing for Christ. But the third thing should get us past the second thing, and that is there are kingdom consequences for standing on biblical truth and standing for Christ, and the kingdom consequences are always greater than the worldly consequences. And it's those truths, Carmen, that should cause a son or daughter of God to say, hey, wait a minute, there's nothing that I can face in this life that if I stand for Christ and stand for truth, if I lose something, Jesus said, I'll restore it a hundredfold. Why would I be cowardice? Why would I be silent? Why would I be afraid? I'm going to stand just like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel stood, and I'm just going to let God work it from there. Calvin, thank you um, so much for joining us. Please give our um, our appreciative greetings to your team at ADF uh, and to your wife, your family, the congregation that you also serve. Um, where can people find you if they want to connect with you and what you're doing? They can find me at adflegal.org, adflegal.org. I'm easy to get in touch with. I would love to come and share the testimony of what God has done. Uh, with their Christian group, their congregation, uh, or in any context that they would uh, feel I may be of support. I love that. All right. And when you invite Kelvin to your church or to your group, invite his wife because um, she is Absolutely. extraordinary. <laughs> there you go. Hey, thank you, my brother. That's Kelvin Cochran. The book is Facing the Fire. We'll be right back. All right, it's Friday, so I'm quickly going to give you the Friday Farm Report. You know that I have a dog, studio dog, Sassy, who's in the studio right now, cowering from thunderstorms in our area. But we also have another dog whose name is Molly, and Molly has emerged as, um, she now has two nicknames, Molly the Molinator 
because um, she digs up moles and is somewhat ruthless when she finally gets a hold of them. We also now call her Madam Barks a lot because uh, she is apparently afraid of the dark. And so now that there is more darkness than light in terms of where we are in the season, she starts barking uh, when uh, when the when the sun goes down and and she barks a lot. So she is now sleeping in the garage with a light on, much like our chickens in the coop are now sleeping with a light on. Because if you don't live on a farm, you probably, you may not know chickens require twelve hours of light a day to lay an egg, fourteen to sixteen hours of light if you want them to function at you know, sort of their full potential. So there you go. The light is on in the garage and in the chicken coop at my house. Uh, let us be people of light. Let us be people who let our light so shine before others that they would see our good works and glorify God who is in heaven. And yes, for those of you who are observing it, it feels like it's getting darker, but that just means we have greater opportunity as people of light. All right, go be shiny. Let your light shine. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.